Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, a podcast where we explore the origins and the development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Now we're doing a comic today that was published on the 5th of December 1967, just as the Beatles were about to reach number one with Hello Goodbye, just as the Beatles were about to launch their whole Apple initiative, and midway through the Doctor Who story, the Ice Warriors, if you're remotely concerned about such things, we are doing today issue, well, we're doing a story today from issue 176 of The Flash. It's another Flash issue. Fantastic. Pete do you want to tell everyone about the cover? This is a very, very, very striking cover. Slight purple background at the top, but you can't really see it because the whole cover is shrouded in a green mist. Mm. We have the flash in the bottom right-hand corner staggering through this mist. Mm -hmm. And looming over him is a big, light blue hooded figure. Can't see the face, just the eyes. And the figure says, Come, Flash, your time is up! And Barry Flash, head in hand, is saying, I, I can't resist. And the caption at the side says, Death stalks the Flash. Mm. Exciting. It's interesting, the hooded figure there, you could almost mistake him for the Spectre. <laughs> yeah, almost, yeah. So it could almost be a, a reverse negative image of the Spectre. Cross between the Spectre and Destiny. Yeah, big, scary, looming figure, fingers wrapped in bandages. The Flash is, mm, death stalks the Flash. Right, let's get straight into it then, shall we? Mm-hmm. Opening tiny little caption box says story by John Broom and a little other caption box says art by Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito. We have a large opening splash panel, very reminiscent of the cover, showing the flash accelerating away from the hooded figure we saw on the cover, running through the, the green clouds and smoke and mist. We can see him a bit more clearly here. We can see that his hood is sort of emphasised by a bit of rope that's tied round his neck, mm. drawing all in, giving it some shape. And we have a caption box at the top of this panel that says... Behold, the mightiest speedster of all time, up against an antagonist whom no mortal has ever conquered. Death itself, in all its grisly, garish power. In the spine-tingling saga of a combat in a setting no human eye has heretofore seen, Flash fights not only for his own life, but for something even more dear to him, when... Death stalks the Flash! And as Barry accelerates away from this hooded figure, who we now realise is death, death is intoning. Not even the fastest man alive can run away from death. It's a good one, listeners. I've really, really been looking forward to to doing this one. When we were doing our preparation and our planning, I was like, oh, oh, we can do Flash 176. And hopefully you'll see why. So, straight into the story. The first panel for page two has a caption that says... In a hospital, Iris Allen languishes under what has been diagnosed as a severe case of grip. Of grip? What's grip, then? It's a strong influenza. Oh, right, OK. Yeah, hmm. I had to look that up. Yeah, I'm glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, you see Iris lying, sweating in a hospital bed, and looks very uncomfortable. There's a, a nurse standing over, a nurse's dark hair, nice fetching, nurse's cap, the nurse is saying, Take these pills, Mrs Allen. Are you feeling any better? Iris replies, no, worse. Your husband will be back soon. That should perk you up. The nurse leaves the room in the next panel, saying, He said he had to go off in some kind of business emergency, and it wouldn't be long before he returned. And poor Iris replies, 
I know. The next panel is a high shot of Iris looking down on her inner bed, sweating away. Hand to her brow. Poor lass, and she's thinking... What that nurse doesn't realise is that Barry went off as the Flash, and the business emergency he spoke about is a matter of life and death. Only a short while ago he was at my bedside, when a special bulletin came over the radio. Yes, and we're into flashback territory here. There's a slight ripple to the panel to signify that we're going back in time. There's a little pocket transistor next to Iris on our bedside table, and the voice coming from it is saying, Interrupt this programme! An escaped killer has holed up in the Midtown Hotel and is threatening death to anyone who approaches him. Dan Bolton, the escaped convict, is armed with guns he took from police guards. It is feared it may cost police lives to subdue him. Barry's with Iris. Obviously, she said, sat at her bedside, and Barry says, Iris, I should get over to that hotel as the Flash. Try to prevent bloodshed if I can. Iris says, Well, if you feel it's your duty, Barry... Iris then narrates the next caption. He changed into his scarlet uniform right in the room at eye-blurring speed. There's a cracking, very kinetic panel of the Flash costume firing out from Barry's ring and Barry putting it on. And we have a very helpful editorial caption which tells us... Editor's note, emerging from a hidden compartment in Barry's ring, his special uniform expands on contact with the air by a secret chemical formula. Top of page three now, Iris narration continues... Then, taking off at invisible super speed... Yeah, we see Barry accelerating off, and as he goes, he says, You relax. Rest, honey. I'll be back soon as I can. And Iris from her bed says, Come back safely, Barry. And we're back to the present day for the next panel. Iris, all looking in great pain as she lies there, continues to think. And so he whizzed off. Why am I so full of dread? Why am I so worried? I know that as the wife of the Flash, I must be brave. Yet I have a sinking feeling that something terrible is going to happen. Caption of the next panel on page three says, Meanwhile, the world's fastest human has already reached the scene of the Midtown drama. We can see the Flash standing with some policemen. They're outside the room that Bolton is obviously hiding in, and Flash is in conversation with one of the senior policemen. Flash is saying, Have your men stay behind cover, Captain. I'll try to disarm and capture him. Police Captain says, if anyone can do it, Flash, you're the one. Next panel, Flash says, here goes, and speeds towards the door. The police captain left behind says, Bolton is right behind the door, armed to the teeth. Okay, so we're now at the bottom row of panels on page three, and the first caption here says, But as the great speedster accelerates toward the door... Yes, a great panel. Close up to the Flash, as indeed he accelerates towards the door, and we can hear a pow-pow sound effect coming from inside the room, and bullets start to fly through the door towards the Flash, and from inside the room, Bolton is saying, Before you reach the door, Flash, you'll be as dead as a doornail. Caption for the next panel. Instantly, the Wizard of Wiz takes emergency action. There's a lovely, helpful, see-what-you-see thought bubble from Barry as he observes, I'm vibrating my body, letting that hail of lead pass through me harmlessly. Yeah, but that's what we see. Barry vibrating at speed, the bullets passing through him, and we have another editor's note. Just as Flash is able to slip through solid objects, so he can allow metal to pass through him by super speed vibration. This fascinates me, really, because Barry's been around for quite a long time now. I mean, this comic's cover dated February 1968, so, you know, he's been around for ages. Mm -hmm. And we're still getting these editorial notes that point out <laughs> really obvious things that most readers would be used to by now. It could still be someone's first comic. Well, that's true, as, as Jim Shooter always says. It does hold things up when you're trying to do an interesting podcast. So... We arrive now at the top of page four. 
caption for the first panel. And a split instant later... And we're inside the, the room at the Midtown Hotel. We see Bolton on his knees, with the smoke kind of coming away from the barrel of his gun, which he's just fired at the door. But the flash is vibrating through the wall on the other side of the door. Bolton looks alarmed and says, Eh? Escape my bullets? Give up, Bolton. You haven't a chance. Never! The next panel, Bolton is taking his gun and lifting it up behind his head, swinging it back as if he's going to try and strike the flash with it. And he says, Only one of us will leave here alive, Flash, and I choose me. You've no choice, Bolton, says Flash as he accelerates towards him, except to go back to prison and serve out your sentence. I have no choice but to disarm and capture you. Caption for the next panel. As the Grand Vizier of Velocity moves with speed that staggers the imagination... You see the Flash using his hands, vibrating at speed, to chop the barrel of the shotgun into segments. Flash observes, first, the disarming process. And we get another editor's note that says... And this will make David very happy because it's his favourite flashback mm. of all time. <laughs> In the same way that a tornado-driven straw can penetrate deep into solid oak, so Flash's palm edge at super speed can slice through treated steel. Treated steel, yes, that involves buying me a large pizza and a few cans of fizzy pop and some pakora and putting Shazam on for me to watch. So there we go. There we are. Panel four of page four. Barry's caught up to Bolton with a whump, punches him out, thinking, then a KO blow to knock any further resistance out of him. Caption in for panel five. Tossing the helpless killer over to the waiting police. Yes, a great panel. Literally, we see a couple of policemen catching Bolton as the Flash hurls him towards them. He must have obviously swooped in and picked him up off the ground. Barry speeds off, saying, Take him away, officers. And one of the policemen says, Wait, Flash, thanks. He's off already. Barry thinks, Got to hurry back to Iris. So... Caption for the next panel. And when Iris's worried husband appears once again at the hospital. Barry now back in civvies. You can see his bow tie. Bow ties are cool. And he's been met at the door of Iris's room by a doctor. And the doctor is saying, I'm sorry to tell you that your wife has taken a sudden turn for the worse, Mr. Allen. Her fever shot a short while ago. She's in a coma. <gasps> yeah, it's Barry. Barry enters the room, top of page five now. He goes to Iris's bedside. The doctor says, She's delirious. It's the high fever. And we see Barry looking very concerned. Looking at Iris, we can see her. It's almost like she's writhing from this panel, but um, that's probably not the case if she's in a coma. Iris is saying, Oh no, no, Flash, look out. And the nurse says, She keeps mentioning the Flash. And then Barry says in the next panel, He's... He's a friend of hers. She's a newspaper woman has written many exclusive stories about the Flash. The nurse replies, Of course, we're doing all we can, Mr. Allen. And then the doctor, exiting the room, the next panel, says, You can rest assured she's receiving the best care medical science can give her. Once the fever breaks, we hope that her recovery will be swift and complete. You may stay here if you wish. Thanks, doctor. Then the nurse takes her leave in the next panel, saying, Ring if you want me, Mr. Allen. I'll be right down the hall. Thank you, nurse, says Barry. And from her bed, Iris says, Oh, terrible. That awful shape. Get away from it, Flash. Don't let it grab you. Oh. Shh, Iris, shh, Barry thinks. She's having a dream, a nightmare. She seems to see me as Flash, menaced by some deadly figure. And then we get close up of Barry, holding Iris's hands, as off panel, Iris's voice says, It's... Death! Death itself, Flash! Careful! Don't let it touch you! So now, top of page six, caption for the first panel says, 
As the longest night in the life of the young police scientist wears on... Yeah, we see Iris still in a great deal of pain, very uncomfortable, sweat pouring from her face, and she's saying, Fight, Flash! Don't let death defeat you! The doctor's back in the room at this point, and he's observing. Still raving, still dreaming, and a fever refuses to break. Those wild dreams could be having a bad effect on her, Mr. Allen. In a way, she's a victim of her own imagination. It's too bad that science can't affect dreams. If we could, we might be able to soothe her, bring her fever down. As it is, we can only wait and hope the medication we've given her will take effect. With that, the doctor takes his leave from the room again. Barry sits down, holding Iris's hand, thinking, I am Flash, the fastest man who has ever lived. I can use my super speed to traverse unseen dimensions. I have travelled into the future, into the past. Yet here I am, with my wife critically ill, out of her head, and I am helpless as a babe in arms. If only there were some way I could affect her dreams, like the doctor said. If only by super speed I could... Wait! Something just occurred to me. Something I haven't thought about for a long time. You get a nice close-up of Barry for the final panel of page six, and he's thinking... On a number of occasions, in going at multi-light speeds, I remember passing a certain band, or area, in the spectrum of velocity. It was only for a split moment, but I recall the odd feeling it gave me. It was a feeling such as a person gets who's having a nightmare. A strange, haunting feeling. I've always meant to investigate that area, and I wonder now, could it have anything to do with dreams? I must find out! So, Captain for panel 2, page 7, says... As the conventional police scientist once again becomes his fiery, flashy alter ego... Barry's back in costume, speeding away from Iris's bedside. This is a weird coma if she's thrashing about and waving her hands and talking, I must say. Yes. <laughs> Iris exclaims, Flash! Look out! Death is coming at you! Barry speeds away, thinking, Poor Iris! She sees me in danger, but I know it is she who is facing death, unless I can help her. Caption in for the next panel. Outside, in the spacious hospital grounds, a race against death begins. We see Barry speeding away from the hospital with a lovely full moon in the sky behind him. I hope someone's keeping track of the number of times I see full moon in this podcast. <laughs> the Earth 2 podcast drinking game. Take a drink every time David says full moon. Mm, yes. So, Barry speeds off thinking, of course, what I'm trying to do may be impossible, absurd. But for Iris's sake, I must try it, or I'd never be able to live with myself afterward. Got to break the speed of light barrier. Exceed it! Caption for the next panel. In brief instance, the monarch of motion has become invisible to ordinary observers. This is a great panel showing the flash in motion. It's like he's running through bands of colour that are sort of behind him. Indeed, as he's speeding along, he's thinking, approaching the band of the velocity spectrum. Got to keep my eyes peeled. It's so narrow I could whiz by it unawares. So yeah, he's running along, there's a kind of yellow band behind him, a green band that bleeds into blue to purple. You know, the whole, indeed, spectrum. The final pile of page seven shows the flash speeding along, and he passes through a sort of black band before continuing on through another band of green, blue, purple. And he speeds through this band, but then turns. And as all this is taking place, he's thinking, What was that? That sharp sense of dread. I've overshot it. It's behind me now. Got to turn back. Yes, it's obviously the black band he run through that's upset him. So we now arrive at the top of page 8. And it's almost as if Barry's peering in from two adjoining cliff faces or two curtains of rock almost that have opened before him. We can see the green smoke, the green clouds of mist that Peter described in the cover sort of inside the sort of interior. Mm -hmm. Barry is thinking, this is it. 
I'm inside the mysterious area. It's widening out before me. It's frightening. Overpowering. He moves a bit further in. At speed. He continues to think. Eerie shapes. Nightmare figures. A sense of fear everywhere. This must be the dream dimension. What we can see here is more clouds of the green smoke. There's mountains in the background and weird shapes all around them. And then panel three of page eight has a caption that says, Summoning up his courage, the grim speedster presses on into the phantasmic nightmarish scene. Unfortunately, I kind of just spelt courage in that panel, but that's fine. Oh dear, so it is. <laughs> so this is a very moody panel that's definitely going up on the socials. It's almost like the, the green smoke and mist and clouds are sort of surrounding the ground. You can see rocky outcrops. Barry's running through the middle of it all with a sort of yellow spotlight shining on him. You can see a woman running as if she's trying to get away from a couple of bolts of lightning. We get a close-up on the right hand of the panel of a man who looks very scared of something. And as Barry manoeuvres his way through all this, he's thinking, I'm seeing dreams of fear acted out in reality. But where is Iris's dream taking place? Got to hunt for it at super speed. And in the caption for the last panel on page 8 says, On and on plunges Flash, a wraith amid other wraiths in a world no human eye has ever seen. Yeah, we see Barry running through, we see more rocky outcrops, we see someone at the front looking very distressed, we see him running past someone else who's down on their knees, holding their head in their hands, and as he passes by all of this horrible stuff, and Flash is thinking, still no sign of what I'm looking for. Could it be that this place is not what I think it is? That my quest is in vain? Can't give up now. And a tiny, tiny little caption that says, Continued on second page following. And the next page is an advertisement for issue 204 of Superman. Being the legend, why do these initials mean death for the Man of Steel? And it's big, flaming couple of L's. So, death's obviously... <laughs> death's getting a lot of work this month at DC. Yes. So we now arrive at the top of page nine. And the caption for the first panel says... Then, as the blazing human meteor approaches a truly hair-raising spectacle... In the extreme background, we see our Flash, our Barry, rushing in. And the tableau that you can see playing out shows the hooded figure who we saw on the cover. I would describe him almost as a cross between the Hanged Man from Astro City, mm -hmm. Spectre, and Mum-Ra from the Thundercats cartoon. Oh, yes. There's a big billowing white cloak, loose sleeves, bandaged fingers and hands. There's a hood with glowing white eyes and a bit of rope tying the, the hood tight around the collar, almost around the neck, keeping the hood in place. And this figure is looming over another Flash and standing on a rocky outcrop overlooking is Iris. So as our Flash, our Barry, who we've been travelling with so far, he arrives in this scene and he's thinking, I've come across Iris's dream. There's the dream figure that has been terrifying her. It is seeking to overcome me. There's Iris herself viewing the battle. Indeed, Iris on this little cliff overlooking this fight almost is crying, Don't let death touch you, Flash. Fight, Flash. Fight it. Gosh, yes, the Flash is struggling with death. So in panel two, Barry's getting a little bit closer. And as he does so, he's thinking, only one thing for me to do. I've got to enter Iris's dream and defeat the death figure. I must do it to calm Iris, to snap her out of this nightmare and save her. Wow. Then the caption for the next panel says, Travelling at a blinding rate, the phenomenal speedster carries out a staggering feat, attuning his vibrations to that of the dream figures. This little sequence of three panels shows Barry zooming up and merging with the dream version of himself. And as this takes place, he's thinking, In order to enter this dream and affect it, I've got to merge myself at super speed with this image of myself, this dream flash. 
final little panel in this little sequence shows close up of multiple Barry Flash faces all combining together. And Barry's thinking, did it. I'm in Iris's dream. Now I can fight the death beggar. Caption then for the final panel of page nine says, Then... The death figure looms over the flash. With its arms stretched wide, its cloak billowing open, the green smoke everywhere, and the death figure says, You can't escape death, flash. All your struggles are useless. As he tries to run away, the flash is thinking, It's open cloak, setting up an overwhelming suction, threatening to pull me in, enfold me. Caption for the first panel at the top of page 10. Calling upon his unique powers, the embattled Sultan of Speed resists the terrible suction. The death figure is looming after the flash. Lots of green smoke and mist everywhere. Barry's trying to get away. Death is saying, You struggle hard to avoid death, Flash, but you can only delay the outcome of our combat. You cannot change it. Sooner or later, death Always wins. Not this time, says the Flash. The caption for panel two on page ten says, Off with ease, the mercury-footed champion, pursued by his implacable opponent. It can move at super speed too, observes Barry as death looms after him, death saying, I'm still with you, Flash. No one can run away from death. In the next panel, death is indeed almost caught up to Barry. He's reaching out, and as he does so, death says, you're almost in my grasp now. Iris said it's touch alone can kill, said Barry. The caption in for the final panel of page 10. With an unprecedented burst of ultra-velocity, the world's fastest human avoids his grim attacker and circles at an incredible rate. Yeah, great panel of the Flash running circles around death, zooming through the clouds of green smoke. As he circles death, Flash is thinking, I'm boxing it in with tremendous air pressure, enough to crush steel. But am I affecting it? And it's almost like Death can hear his thoughts because Death replies, Of course not! What effect can your puny human efforts have against me? I am invincible, Flash! We now arrive at the top of page 11, and the first caption says, As the gaunt, harrowing shape easily bursts through the air barrier around it. So Flash continues to circle around Death, and Death is saying, you are clever, Flash. It is hard to seize you. How long can you continue this game of death between us? Flash is thinking, not long, it's true. The superhuman tension of this fight weakening me. In panel two, Barry switches to speaking out loud and says, But I'm not giving up. I'll beat you yet. There must be a way. You must have a weakness. And it's almost as though Barry tries to punch death. Death says, Perhaps, but you'll never discover it. So yeah, there's a little burst of concussive force as the Flash tries to punch at death, and Barry thinks, that's odd. Then the next panel, we've got a close-up of him as he's thinking, I made a certain move to punch drive molecules at it, but before I carried it through, it made death recoil. What could be the reason for that? I'll repeat my move, see what happens. The next panel, it's a great montage panel almost of many Flashes striking, and trying to punch or slap at death. Flash is thinking, no, that's not it. Nor this one either. See him trying a different move. Maybe the reason is I'm not at the precisely right vibration. Death reaches out his right hand, making an attempt to grab at Barry. Barry recoils thinking, it's coming at me again. So the caption for the next panel on page 11 says, and suddenly as the indomitable speedster succeeds in his aim, 
Yeah, this panel shows the flash obviously getting the right vibration. There's a little concussive burst of green energy and death recoiling. And Barry's thinking, there it is again. Now I know what can affect death. In the next panel, final panel of page 11, Barry looks very happy. He's smiling broadly as he thinks, at a certain rate of vibratory motion, I give off light. It's the burst of light that death is recoiling from. And indeed, Barry's vibrating his right hand in this final panel, and there's a burst of yellow energy, yellow light coming from him. So we arrive now at the top of page 12, and the flash continues to circle around death, thinking, I've noticed. It's all black and grey, not a spot of colour on it anywhere. Evidently, light in the form of colour is its weakness. Got to check it out. So in the next panel, we see death with both hands up, trying to keep Barry at bay. The flash is zooming past, and he's thinking, By altering my vibratory rate slightly, I'm giving off light beams of different frequencies, different colours. There's a little asterisk, and yet another editor's note that says, Each colour of the spectrum from red to violet has a different wave frequency. Well, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Mm. Different wave frequency was the name of a menswear B-side. Ah, excellent. Yeah. I think they played it on Radio 1 once. So, there's a little burst of indigo light coming from Flash's hand in this panel. Death recalls, and Barry continues to think, Got to keep it up. Strike with every colour I can whip up. So... Massive big panel to round out page 12, and the caption for that says, Carrying out his idea with instantaneous motion, the fastest man alive circles about his foe, blasting him with beams of every colour of the rainbow. Yeah, this one's definitely going in the socials. Who needs your Green Lantern spectrum, eh? <laughs> mm-hmm. They could have addressed this sort of thing in Blackest Night, I suppose. Gosh. Can you imagine? That would have made it even more complicated, <laughs> and probably would have inspired another five spin-off miniseries. So this massive panel, rounding out page 12, shows the Flash circling death and zapping different colours of light at him. Barry's thinking as he goes, I should have realised, as he zaps death with blue energy, all the colours of the spectrum blended together become white light. Barry, who's zapping death with some green, thinks, the sum of all the colours I'm throwing at the death figure has bleached all the blackness out of it. And indeed, in the middle of being circled by the Flash's bursting coloured energy at him, we see death, as we've seen him, but also starting to shrink down. The colour fades out, becomes white, and he becomes even more distinct. Barry continues as he circles, It's as white as snow. Moreover, my colour barrage is paralysing it. It's shrinking death down. Tremendous. We now arrive at the top of page 13. And the first panel shows multiple flashes as he speeds in motion, zapping pure white light at the death figure who starts to shrink down, looking very much like the Invisible Hood when he appears in All-Star Squadron. Yes. Absolutely. Being zapped and shrinking away, and as he shrinks and falls down to nothing, death cries out, You have discovered my secret flash! You are defeating me! Ah! Ah! Barry presses in for the kill, if you pardon the pun, zapping white light at a now tiny death figure, who manages to say, I'm shriveling! You are destroying me! I'm dying! You never thought death could die, did you? But before I go, let me prophesy. One day, death will win over you, Flash. It is as inevitable as... With a little burst of white energy, death is gone. Panel 4 of page 13 shows Barry standing over the little mark on the ground. Barry looks down and says, Hardly anything left of it. Only a faint white stain on the ground, disappearing even as I look at it. I've beaten 
death. Final panel of page 13 shows a flash rushing off. There's a, a large green full moon behind him here. Some nice rocky outcrops. Very, very moody. As he runs away, the flash is thinking, Oh, this place gives me the creeps. Got to get out of here as fast as I can. And so, we arrive at the top of page 14. The caption for the first panel says, In the hospital, shortly. Barry's back in civvies. The nurse is there, the doctor's there. Iris is lying in bed, looking a lot brighter. The doctor's standing behind Barry, carrying his clipboard and saying, And then, suddenly, her fever broke. The crisis has passed now, Mr. Allen. Your wife's going to be all right. Barry thinks, thank goodness. From her bed, Iris says, Hello, Barry, darling. Then the caption for panel two, page 14, says, And when Mr. and Mrs. Barry Allen are left alone... Iris whispers from her bed, Barry, I had the most incredible dream. In it, you defeated death. It seemed so real. Rest, Iris. We'll talk about it when you're stronger. The final panel showing Barry holding Iris's hand. She looks much, much happier. She's also feeling much, much better. Barry's leaning down and he's thinking, She doesn't know yet that I actually took part in her dream. But as soon as she's herself again, I'll tell her. There's nothing I could keep from Iris, now that she's my confidant as well as my wife. And we have a tiny little caption box that says, End. End. Gosh. So, readers, listeners even, Barry was in the dream dimension and the Flash managed to defeat death. Now, obviously, you know, we're trying not to throw too many spoilers out (laughs) about, you know, many of the stories that we're going to read. But if you have read Crisis and Infinite Earth, you know something pretty major that happens in that story. So Mm -hmm. when I first bought and read issue 176, The Flash, it was summer 1993. I was, you know, a neophyte DC committed fundamentalist buying up Crisis and Infinite Earths and everything with Golden Age characters that I could find and all the Crisis crossovers. And I remember reading this issue and being really struck mm-hmm. by the obvious symbolism of the Flash defeating death and death saying, you know, death will win over you, Flash. Yep. And then you know, and there is a line when, you know, we're back at the hospital and the doctor says the crisis has passed now, Mr. Allen. Yes. I mean, it's... Um, yes. It's it's all very loaded, and of course, when when John Broom wrote this in 1967, there's no way that he'd, he'd know what was coming in, in the mid 80s. <laughs> 18 years later, I I love all that stuff. What do you what do you think of that? Yeah, I think it would have been quite interesting if someone had called back to this particular issue in in crisis. Yes, and, and at the pertinent moment, have death or love and say, "I told you so." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd have been funny. I don't believe there's any way that this could have had any influence on no. the plotting and storytelling no. crisis of Infinite Earths, but it's it was just such a weird sort of coincidental thing that I read it around about the time that you know that I, that I first bought and read issue eight. It's fascinating, and it's kind of like when you watch the Doctor Who story Voyage of the Damned, and a couple more people die, and David Tennant's Doctor says no more in a very emphatic sense, and it casts up, you know, brings to <laughs> mind, you know, what they did with John Hurt in the 50th anniversary special, all his no more, and yet obviously that wasn't. In the case when they made Voyage of the Damned in 2007, it's a kind of weird accidental bit of preemptive retconning or something. I mean, the other thing to talk about that was relevant in 1993 when I read this was um, this idea that the Flash is in a dream dimension and interacting with death. Now, this was 1993 was when DC launched its Vertigo imprint and really was going for it with the the adult-orientated comic books. And obviously one of the big DC success stories at that period still was Neil Gaiman's Sandman series. certainly was, yes. Which I was kind of casually 
dipping into at that point, but I was aware of it because some of my friends who weren't really comic guys were reading Sandman, and you know, like I think like a lot of people at the time, there was a lot of people reading Sandman that didn't only read comics. So I was just struck by this idea that Barry was in this dream dimension, and to this day, I still sort of think, is this Barry visiting the dreaming? It may well be. This, you know? this might be what inspired uh, Death to get a makeover and come back as a goth girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Possibly. <It's> possible. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's purely coincidental but I mean what else could it be the dream dimension mm-hmm. See, if only there'd been a panel showing like a little raven sitting on a tree branch or something <laughs> you know that mm-hmm. would have been all you need just to draw and I remember sort of wishing at the time that it would have been really good if Sandman had done an issue yeah. where it was told from the, the Endless's point of view mm-hmm. so we see the goth death who you mentioned maybe pulling on a big cloak Wrapping bandages around their hands and Morpheus sort of saying, oh, can you go and deal with this, please? Because, you know, <laughs> someone's broken through. And yeah. maybe the Flash or Barry, probably in the style, wouldn't have been named necessarily, but mm-hmm. you would have seen this speeding red and yellow figure. It could have, could have been a really nice insert one-shot sort of story. Yeah. That's insane. Can you imagine that? Yeah, I mean, I've been imagining it for 28 years. <laughs> or even if uh, Destiny had been there and say, here, you should put on this disguise and t- Destiny takes off the robe. And say, there you yes. go, because it does look like Destiny's yeah. robe that uh, Death's wearing. Yeah, absolutely. And you can imagine Death sort of holding it at, <laughs> at arm's length and saying, oh, if I must. These are my main takeaways from I mean, we've, we're obviously talking, main, we're mainly focusing in this podcast, obviously, on as well as the legacy aspect. We're focusing on the multiverse. But, you know, recently we're kind of exploring the way that the comics back in the day made use of other dimensions. Um, we've got a couple of other comics coming up we're going to be doing quite soon that, mm-hmm. that deal with these sort of things. It's not necessarily a, another parallel universe as such, but yeah. they're emphasising the fact that Barry can can travel through different types of you know different yeah. levels of reality. Absolutely. And, yes. know, for me, I mean, there's no argument about it. He's in the dreaming. Mm-hmm. This should have been an issue of Sandman. Maybe I'll write to Neil Gaiman and suggest it, and he can <laughs> stretch a four issue miniseries out of yeah. it in a prestige format on the Black, DC's Black Label. I was very excited when the thought of doing this story came up, and I just love the the resonance of of some of the ideas. Just mm-hmm. you know, the idea that Barry can just vibrate into dreams, but also the accidental interpretation of everything they're doing that we can yeah. apply yeah. stories that have come from it since. We will be returning, of course, to a dream dimension when we hit the seventies mm. and do the Sandman series from then. Yes. Very much so. Which also is legacy as well. Mm. That's very exciting. Looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. Me too. This is the first Ross Andrew penciled Flash story we've covered. Yes. Ross Andrew, Mike Esposito. And it is interesting to see the differences in his style comparing them with Cameron Infantino's. Because certainly the panel where Barry gets changed into the Flash for the first time, he does look so much buffer. He looks like a, a 60s action hero as opposed to yes. you know the, the lean scientist type that, uh, yeah. that Carmine had drawn. Also, it's really interesting to see how Andrew depicts super speed because it's much more focused on after images of the Flash. Now, Carmine did use that, but it was mostly speed lines he used as well. Yes. But Ross Andrew, after images are all over the place in this, and I love that as an effect. Absolutely, yeah. It's almost every panel. It's very effective. It really gives that sense of you know, of motion and movement. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's very, very dynamic. It's great. And especially that one you're talking about at the top of page 13, where basically Barry's taking down death completely, and it's all the different... All the different Barry flashes, but they're all posed differently just because he's moving that fast with all these blasts of, yes. of colour coming off him. Yeah. It's just fantastic. It's just so dynamic, so kinetic. Mm-hmm. All the feet moving. Yeah. It's great. Every, everyone's in a different pose, but you can just imagine that he's moving so quickly that he's trying different things. It's really, yeah. really great storytelling. 
it's almost like a shutter speed going very mm-hmm. quickly on a camera and capturing multiple sort of yeah. simultaneous images. It's terrific. You're right. And, and overlaying them all is fantastic. Yeah. It's definitely a little less sleek looking than what Carmine would do. And some of the panels mm-hmm. on page 13 look, do look a little rough. Mm-hmm. The final panel, I mean, it, it looks good. It has a touch of the Murphy Andersons to the layout. But, you know, as you say, Barry looks very boxy compared to the. Yeah. While the artwork might not be as streamlined, it does the job. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, the whole thing's so well done. Absolutely. One thing I would love to have seen is if they'd given this, I know it wasn't possible at the time, but if they'd given this story to Steve Ditko to draw, can you imagine what Steve Ditko would have done with this? Well, see, this is the controversial thing. Here when I, again, I get what you're saying, like, you know, you're talking about sort of stuff he would have, that you did in Doctor Strange, that sort of thing. Yeah, and also I'd like, yeah. to, I'd like to see him do Flash. I'm not a Steve Ditko fan, to be honest. Gosh! Gosh, no! I like the Spider-Man stuff, mm-hmm. obviously, but I'm not a. I it's it's a, it's an aesthetic sort of thing. It, I'm I'm not a. No, I'll draw. I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate his storytelling, his storytelling uh-huh. skills, but I'm not a fan of his his particular stylings. Controversial. The things like the screaming faces and stuff that you get in the, in the dream dimension. He would have nailed yes. that. It would have been so horrific. Oh, aye. That would have been phenomenal. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. Sometimes we don't have a Legopolis. Sometimes we have a Castrovalva. There we are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I mean, those those sequences are actually quite understated. The mm-hmm. you know when you, the nightmarish visions always sees a couple of people looking sort of pained. Yeah. That could have been a little bit heightened. Maybe if the story had been published four or five years later, when the comics code is relaxed completely, they might have been full on and scary, mm. a bit more unpleasant, a bit more violent. Or if it had been a full issue story as opposed to just the fourteen pages. Yeah, that's true. The second story in this is a a really fun Professor West story. They're always great. Yes, lots of fun to be had there. And there's another little reprint of something else called "Open the Door, Earthman." Has some aliens and some boxes. Cool. That's all you need to know about that. <laughs> So we'll move on now to Flashgrams and see the reader reaction from Flash issue 180. And the first letter goes something like this. Dear Editor, John Broom is a remarkable and brilliant writer and is notable and applaudable in the world of comicdom for the unafraid originality and humanity he puts into his stories. He is likewise remarkable for his occasional use of the supernatural and the unexplainable, most notably in his already classic Doorway to the Unknown which I hold to be the best short story ever to appear in a comic magazine. Blame me. I'll remember that one. Yeah, it's reprinted in The Greatest Flash Stories Ever Told. That's, is that very sort of Twilight Zone-esque yes. one when somebody uh-huh. he talks to, turns out he's, the guy's already dead or something? Yeah. yeah, that's a very creepy story. The letter continues. Death Stocks the Flash was a human story despite its supernatural locale and subject matter. Barry Allen has always been one of my favourite superhero alter egos. He isn't at all abnormal in his everyday life. He's simply a nice, quiet guy who wears polka dot bow ties, has a nice wife and a nice, if forgetful, father-in-law. <laughs> in short, he is an average guy, and in the course of this story, we were given a very realistic portrait of a nice guy terrified that he's going to lose his wife. Helpless, hopeless, he can do nothing except as the Flash. Well, I suspect that some more nitpicking LOCers, assume that's letter-column writers, will yelp about the dream dimension and criticise it as totally unrealistic and ludicrous, I myself must defend it. It was very well created and depicted and praise it for its outstanding concept. Flash's battle against the terrible spectre of death, (laughs) an enemy all men must meet, was truly fabulous. How appropriate that Flash should defeat the black and sinister symbol of death with white light, the first literary symbol I've seen in a comic. The message Broom was trying to get across was obvious to me. Death. 
seen in the light, is not the all-powerful hideous demon it seems in shadow. Actually, it is of no importance at all. It is life that matters, not death. To defeat death, all that must be done is flip the switch and turn on the lights. Spiritually. Yes, as the figure says as it shrinks to nothingness before Flash's blasts, death will one day win out over Flash, as it will over all of us. But I'm made to think of the words of Santiago in Hemingway's The Old Man in the Sea. A man can be destroyed, but not defeated. I have to express my true gratitude to this truly grand writer for passing that belief on with such eloquence. What an eloquent letter. Yes, very much so. And that's from Guy Lillian III from Berkeley, California. He is a regular uh, letter writer from the right. time. I recognise the name. And the editorial response is... As anticipated, Death Stalks the Flash had a terrific impact on most of our readers, and leading the most in his most vivid way of expressing his feelings about it was our favourite Guy. There we go. Uh -huh. So the next letter. Dear Editor, words cannot describe my look of astonishment when I picked up and read Flash number 176. Being fairly sceptical of your art change the previous issue, I was fairly sure of myself in thinking that the Flash had gone down the tube. Well, now I am regretting those thoughts, as with issue 176, Flash has hit an all-time high in story and art. Mm. Andrew and Esposito used poses in the February Flash that were refreshing and new, poses that we are not accustomed to seeing the Flash in. Just as Pete was saying, yeah. The action scenes were also superb, something I thought only Carmine Infantino could accomplish in The Flash. But again, I was counted wrong here. What more can I say now? But keep them coming as they are now. Story-wise, John Broom turned in excellent work this issue, especially on the second Flash yarn. And he concludes with, in closing, let me wish the best possible success with The Flash for the new year. And that's from Mike Robertson, Maple Valley in Washington. And... Their response actually just deals with the current issue that we're reading the letters from issue 180, so we'll skip on to the next letter, which goes like this. Dear Editor, The cover of the February Flash was overwhelming. The idea of death calling on Flash caught my interest at once. I believe, even though I'm blind in one eye and can't see out the other, that the team of Infantino and Anderson did the cover, although I realise that Infantino has retired, so to speak. As to the cover story, Death Stalks the Flash, marvellous. I was shocked when I saw Iris deathly ill and felt frustrated, as did Barry, when he couldn't do a thing for her. The part where Flash is searching for the special band in the Velocity Spectrum was something out of Ray Bradbury, mm. especially once he got inside the Dream Dimension. I gave up in trying to figure out if it was possible for Flash to do what he did, even in the comic magazine world of real unreality. All I can say is that it was a wonderful piece of fantasising on the part of author Broom. I wonder how he ever dreamed that one up. I'm not hard to please when it comes to The Flash. He just has the right amount of science fiction, costumed villains, character development and interesting story themes, making him tops over all the other comic mag superheroes. And that's from Dave Truesdale from St Paul, Minnesota. And Dave's right, actually, with that assertion, the cover was drawn by Carmine Infantino and Murphy Anderson. Gosh. When you look at the figure of The Flash, it's, it's very obvious. Yeah, nice little passing on of the torch, I suppose. The symbolism of Carmine leaving the title and he's drawing a cover of... Uh, anyway, so um, <laughs> the final letter in issue 180's letter column goes like this. Dear Editor, Death Stalks the Flash started off well, with Iris in a coma and Barry attempting to save her, but disintegrated with the introduction of the dream world. Oh, okay. Now, don't get me wrong, I thought very highly of the introduction of this weird macabre place. It was extremely well conceived. However, it was definitely not the type of story that should appear in The Flash. If it were to appear in the Spectre, the only comics mag equipped for this genre of tale would say, 
Mona Marcy substituted for Iris, it would be a masterpiece if it were further extended to a book length with subplots. One last comment, open brackets, favourable, close brackets, on this story. The scenes showing Barry by his wife's bedside, unable to help her in any way, were touching, showing that all superheroes are perhaps the most human of us all. And that's from our old pal, Jeff Pierce, Stanford, California. No editorial response, just an invitation to send your letters to the editorial address. There you go, Black Lightning, Jeff Pierce, also asking for Mona Marcy again. I think he did that in the pages of the Spectre letter columns recently as well. He did, yeah. So that's what the readers at the time thought about this incredible issue of The Flash. What did you think, dear listener? Please get in touch. You can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. As we said, there's some really outstanding panels in this. We'll be posting a few of them in our social media, along with a ton of other bonus material. A ton? A ton. A metric ton. Oh, I don't know about that. I'll see what I can do. Excellent. On Facebook and Instagram, we're at The Earth 2 Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth 2. And it is the number two for all of our social media. And make sure you check out our website as well. That's theearth2podcast.com, where you can find this and all our other episodes. Yep, and if you could be so kind as to rate and review us, see some nice words on your respective podcast listening method of choice, that would be really nice as well. And if you're enjoying what we do, you might want to buy us a coffee. There's a link to our coffee page on our website. So, I've really enjoyed reading this one. It was a lot of fun. It's definitely worth covering, if not for the dream dimension, which is maybe at the extremes of the multiverse, but Mm -hmm. definitely for the fact that the huge amount of foreshadowing... Yeah. It does for Barry and The Flash and all of... And even Iris, I suppose. True. Very true, yes. Definitely worth covering as as part of the whole big story, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. So on that note, I've been Peter. He has been Peter. And I've been David. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time on... The Earth 2 Podcast! Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinate set for Earth Prime. Final panel of page 13, so's the... So's?